This is Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. In the restaurant business, they call it amateur night. (laughs) What, they've heard our show? (laughs) Not likely, although I can see a reason. But no, I'm talking (laughs) about Valentine's Day. That's when Uh, lots and lots of people only go out now and then go out to eat. And, of course, they have to order wine. Indeed they do. And today we're going to give those folks a little bit of help. Us? (laughs) Amateur night, right? (laughs) I'm Rick Cushman. And I'm Paul Wagner. This is Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. Today we are talking about Valentine's Day and wine in restaurants, and we are even given a bit of relationship advice. Oh, Lord preserve us. I know. Plus we have lots of questions from listeners, including some odd ways to chill wine, and we will, of course, make fun of wine snobs, especially the ones who come out on Valentine's Day. Stay with us. You're listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul, and today we are starting off with some tips on handling Valentine's Day. Yes, uh, diamonds. Right, right. Not a bad, a little bit pricey, not bad. Uh, we're going to go a little bit down the road. This sounds sexist. I mean, what about a gift for a woman? <laughs> nice, Rick. Yeah, um, you know, they did a they did a really nice research project a while back um, in which they asked women which would they rather receive on Valentine's Day, candy or wine? And it came back that most women would prefer a nice bottle of wine over candy. Uh, good for them. They then, then people, if you're listening, you are in the right spot because we are going to get to some specifics. I myself would prefer diamonds, but that's just me. Well, and it should be it should be pointed out that <laughs> that um, the, if women prefer wine, they're the right kind of women. Well, there you go. Absolutely, no argument there. All right, we're going to get to some specifics in just a second, but first, here is my first tip about a Valentine's Day dinner, which is start with a glass of bubbly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just think I, it's, a, it's a great way to go. And here's another thing, too. So if you're going Do, to a restaurant— Does this have anything to do with the fact that your wife adores sparkling wine? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's a good idea in general as well. <laughs> Start with a proven winner. That's right. But if you're going to go to a restaurant, here's a, here's another way to, run, to play that, by the way, which is if you can— Call ahead and tell them that, you know, as part of your reservation, after you sit down, you'd like them to bring a glass of something sparkly to the to the table. And then make sure that the server tells your date that you ordered it for your date. Now, you do this even in the restaurants where on Valentine's Day they offer a complimentary glass of sparkling wine. You still have the server come over and say, oh, here. Oh, gosh, yes. Rick arranged <laughs> I'm, I'm this for you, honey. I'm trying to take credit. You, you know it. <laughs> By the way, it works both ways. So for uh, for women who uh, would are either making the arrangements or think that their guy's not going to do it, if you uh, feel like being mildly aggressive and you make that move and you do something nice for the guy, the guy's going to love it. And I'm telling you, uh, it's because most of us really, ladies, we don't really think you like us. That's true. I'm, I'm pretty sure my wife only hangs out with me because I know a lot of bartenders. <laughs> well, that's why a lot of people hang out with you, Rich. <laughs> that's, that's probably <laughs> it. So in any case, uh, you know, lots of our advice this is going to come this way, which is because for the guys, we're thinking uh, women don't like us. And, and ladies, we're, we're trying to make you happy or help you make your guy. I don't know. We're. Don't take a relationship advice from us, which we're about to give. However, yes. <laughs> about Valentine's Day. Uh, 
there's a couple things uh, you probably ought to know why they call it amateur night. And it's, you know, this is not a, so much of an insult, but if you don't go out a lot, don't feel like you, you know, just because restaurateurs are used to the fact that there's lots of people that really don't, aren't used to sort of breezing in, breezing out, and it doesn't feel like you shouldn't be on the clock. And so as a diner, despite, I, I almost hate to bring it up, um, go at your own pace, ask your own questions, take your time. This is a big night for you. They're getting paid. Don't worry about trying to make the people at the restaurant happy. On the other right. hand, if you have questions, ask them questions. Well, and, and let's be fair. It's not amateur night because people don't know how to go out to dinner. It is amateur night because, in general, you have a tendency to splurge on Valentine's Day. So you might take your, your significant other to a nice little Chinese restaurant around the corner or go to a burger joint every once in a while. But for Valentine's Day, often you right. take a step up. Right. And walking into a step up, often you're in a restaurant you don't normally eat at or even in a kind of restaurant you don't normally eat at. And so it's a kind of a learning experience. Don't forget it's their job to show you a good time. Right. And and the other thing of part of it is is that you want to make the most of this meal. And Absolutely. so and so they are used to, you know, restaurants talk call it turning tables and and they are always a little frustrated because they they sort of figure this out. This is also something to know if you have a slightly later in the night reservation, which is they have this formula that they live off of based on how long it normally takes to turn tables. They even factor in uh, Valentine's Day in that. But still, often they're wrong. So if you have, say, an 8.30 reservation, you may have to hang out a bit. Mm. Not a bad time to get a glass of bubbly then either. There you go. So anyways, all right. Actually, if if the restaurant forces you to hang out for too long, they should pick up the tab for the bubbly too. Well, sometimes they do. The good ones do. do. That's right. Uh, You can always ask, by the way. That's right. (laughs) It never hurts. (laughs) Um, Could we have a free glass of bubbly? Yes, please. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Matt? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's right. (laughs) Maybe we can get it from Capital Public radio. Is little, I don't know. That would be a... All right. Uh, one other thing before we, we get to some of the specifics, but I always love this question, which is what wines do you consider sexy wines? Because this is a good night for sexy wines. It is. And f- first of all, you hit the nail absolutely on the head with your first answer. And I'm not saying it's bubbly. I'm saying it's what your wife likes. Yeah, that's, that's a good wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So whatever your date or significant other, other likes, that's the wine that you want to... Sh- now, the way to go on t- uh, is to walk into a restaurant, explain to the sommelier, we really like this kind of wine. Show me a good one. Yeah. This is the night where you're willing to spend an extra 20 bucks to take a step up on the wine list and try something that'll really knock your socks off. Having said all of that, to me, the wine that is the most romantic wine is a small is a small region of Beaujolais called Saint Amour, Saint of. Uh, uh, yeah, now, I'm right. sorry, but if you can get Barry White to sing that, yeah. I think you're home free. Yeah, I can't. I can't outdo that. Actually, Saint Amour is really good. <laughs> you know, I have to say that for, for for me, I've always thought, and this does not work in my house because my wife does not like a lot of them, uh-huh. which is Pinot Noir. Uh-huh. Yep. So, you know, uh, so I always tell I always tell Deborah that if she wants to buy me a sexy glass of wine, get me a Pinot Noir. But yep. um, but I just this for me of all of the wines, I just feel there's something silky. It's the texture thing. We talk about texture a lot. There's this these layers of lusciousness and yep. Pinot Noir. That's a, a yep. sort of fun way to think. Yeah. The texture, I think, is important. And I, I agree that Pinot Noir is luscious and 
and sexy, but if your wife likes something else, that's what you should be drinking Absolutely. on Valentine's I Day. I have learned. I do not do not ask slow, for Slow but sure. That's nope. what they call you, right? <laughs> yes, yes, you have yes. learned. Very slow. Um, <laughs> all right. So let's go through a couple of the things that folks are going to deal with in restaurants. Okay. Because it's amateur night. It is amateur night. And the truth well, of it is, I think Paul described it even best, which is that no matter where you go, you tend to go someplace you haven't been because right. it is a special night. Right. So it might be a step up or a restaurant you've never tried. So you're going to find a wine list you haven't found before. So what are the what uh, what hints do you give for that starter, which is dealing with that giant wine list? Well, and the first hint is go into the restaurant and say, here are the, call the sommelier over and say, here are the wines we really like. What on the list is comparable? What would be maybe a step up? But they can't help you unless you help them. So the first step is to say, we like this, this, and this now tell me what you got on the list that would move me in that direction. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be this, this, and this, even. It could just be this. You know, you can, as long as there's one, as long as there's... <laughs> That's clear, Rick. I mean, what I'm saying is it could only be one. If you have right. one particular one that you like, then right. don't be embarrassed. Now. You know, I say this constantly, I'm going to say it again, that I, um, I've i always said that your, your single greatest tool for finding great wine is your cell phone, which is that if you have a wine that you like, take a picture of it. And, and you know who your wife's single greatest tool is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, in many ways, it is true. <laughs> but your single tool is your cell phone. Back to the wine subject of taking a picture of it, because you can then say, look, this is a wine we had. Right. So, so between now, you know, or if you have any you've ever taken, or, or also wines you don't like. So you can say, look, I right. remember it was this wine that I did like, Chateau Saint something, and this is the wine I did like, which is Chateau Saint something else. Right. And, and that really helps them if you give them a sense of it, or if it's just you want something big and rich, or you want something yeah. light, or, you know, that, but help them n narrow it down a little bit for them. Well, and then uh, bear in mind, I, I actually think Valentine's Day is more complicated for another reason. There's two of you. Now, when you're in a big group. Oh, not, not for, I just go by myself. You just go by yeah, yourself for Valentine's Day. Well, actually, like it's not a choice anymore. you make. Yes. She just doesn't want to be seen with me <laughs> anymore. Right. Yeah. In a big group, you order a bottle of wine for the table. You right. start with some bubbly, you start with some white, maybe we move on. Well, you and your wife sit down across the table. She orders uh, Dover sole, and you order steak. And you turn to the waiter and say, yes, we're looking for a little something that would go well right. with Dover sole right. and lemon sauce and steak in a Bordelais sauce. And he says, amateur night. Yes. Although I need to tell you that, for the record, my wife is never going to order anything with a lemon sauce. But that's just... <laughs> That's, Fair that's, enough. That's, yeah, but other than that, but, she might get the Dover sole with an almondine sauce. Okay, so, so point being... This actually is a really good night to go buy wine by the glass because there's yeah. only two of you. Yeah. And I, I'm, frankly, my wife and I, we don't finish a bottle of wine between the two of us anymore, but we do finish a couple of glasses. So she can order what goes perfectly with her meal. I'll order what goes perfectly with mine. Or often what we do is we order two glasses that we think will go pretty well with both meals, and then she tastes them both, and she gets to pick the one she, she likes She gets the best. one she likes. Yeah, that's I, I, would, I would imagine that's how it because you know what, yes. when it comes right down to it, I'll drink anything. Yeah, well, uh, we we all know that about you. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. This is why why it's such a good idea. Um, I think that's a really that's a really great approach. Um, and you know, and and if you. It's always a good thing, too, if you do know what you're going to have, because you may be getting something that's complimentary that, that may also be helpful. But buy the glasses. Also a very fun thing to do on a night like Valentine's yes. Day. Now, there's one other little romantic suggestion, which is people going out to dinner. couple goes out to dinner, and the, the male of the couple 
looks at the wine list, points to this wine, has the waiter bring it, and says, and he'd better be right, honey, do you remember this was the bottle of wine we had? Duck, 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 duck. Oh, yeah. Well, here's the other part of that, by the way, because they always give the wine list in the mail. I say, yes. I, I say if, the, if you are yes. a mixed couple, give the wine list to your wife or girlfriend. Well, or your date. frankly, I know way too many women sommelier who, when you give the wine oh. to the, the list to the male at the table, roll their eyes and say, would you like somebody who knows something to take yeah. a look at that? Yeah. Uh, yeah and, and this is actually one of the things that I always uh, – first off, I would give, bring two wine lists unless there's giant, massive things. But one of the things that I always train servers is to say, who gets the wine list? Who would like to see the wine yes, list? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so here's the next part. Uh, and most – People have been through this many, many times, but we're going to say it anyway. There's the, there's the wine service, if they are opening the bottle for the you. The ritual. Yes, the ritual. So the things that matter in the ritual and the things that don't. Right. The part that you don't need to do is wave your hands over your air head and sing your school fight song. That's actually football training camp. That's it's not right. part of the wine service. That's right. So don't, do, right. don't do that. Don't do that. Um, but So what they'll do is they're going to come and they're going to drop the cork well, on Well, first they're going to show you the bottle. Right. Right. You look at the bottle and you say, yes, in fact, that is what I ordered. And i got to tell you, twice in the last look month, I've it. had somebody show me a bottle and I've had to say, you know, that's not actually the wine that was on the list. You know, I uh, I remember a discussion here in the studio not so long ago when you ordered a red and they brought you a white and, and your I wife said, noticed. <laughs> and I said, yes, that's the wine I ordered. And my wife said, no, it's not. You ordered a red wine. Yes. So, yeah. See, we make that mistake, too. <laughs> uh, and one of the things to look at is also the vintage. Um, you don't have to know a lot about vintages, but if you did order a wine, and the vintage has changed, you might want to bring that up because sometimes they're out of the good stuff and they're getting rid of something. Sometimes they just made a mistake. But And so so it is something to remember. Yep. It you know, may not be if, a big deal. If you ordered the wine because of the vintage, you ought to make sure that, it's That one absolutely vintage. matters, yep. absolutely. And then you're right. Then they pull the cork and they take the cork off the cork puller and they put it down on the table. And we've talked about this in the past, but in, in the real short answer is... Just let it sit there. Leave it there. Unless you really like cork, then put salt and pepper on it. <laughs> but um, but if you don't like cork, just let it sit there. Let it sit there. And, th and then they'll let you taste a bit. And then they pour you a little bit to taste. And so remember, this is sort of the key because we get this question a lot, which is why am I doing that? And and if here's fundamentally what you're tasting it for is if the wine has gone bad. If right. there's something wrong with the wine. However, because this is going to be one of those sort of special nights where maybe the server has told you what to get. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If you really don't like the wine, that's when you can that say that. That would be a that. good time to say, ooh, this is a little... I was eating with a with a quite knowledgeable wine uh, connoisseur the other night, guy in the business, and we were thinking about ordering a glass of rosé, and we asked if they could bring us just a tiny little taste. And it smelled wonderful, and we put it in our mouth, and it was just so alcoholic and heavy that we both looked at each other and said, you know, thank you very much for that taste. What else have you got? Yep. Because we're not gonna we're not gonna order a bottle of that. Right. And, and and that's actually that's a good thing too. But if so, in in normal times, or if you ordered the bottle and you don't like the wine, but it's it's perfectly fine wine, you're kind of stuck to, with it. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. harder to turn it um, back. Yeah. Uh, so then the next thing they often ask you is if you would like an ice bucket. Well, actually, my experience is they don't ask, but that's one of the things I like to know is when I'm tasting the wine, I will smell it and I will taste it to make sure that it's sound, that it doesn't have any, it hasn't gone bad. But the other thing I'm going to smell is or taste is is it the right temperature? Because a lot of times. Frankly, in America, white wines are served too cold and red wines are served too hot. So right. I'll actually ask them, you know, wine is fine, but frankly, it's either a little too hot. Now, white wine too cold, leave it on the table. Yep. It'll warm up just fine. Red wine too warm. Okay, actually, I know you're not supposed to chill white wine, red wine, but you're also not supposed to serve red wine at 75 or 80 degrees. Yeah, it's 
chill it down. You know, when we talk about room temperature, we're talking about room temperatures at these old shat, drafty stone chateaus. You know, That's and right. we're talking. So it could, you know, red wine could be, you know, 55 to 65. At least 60, 65. Yeah. And yeah. so, I mean, it, you know, some uh, Pinot Noir, we, we actually talk about it at 55. Hmm. And so, you know, it, it, it depends. So if your red's a little cold and a little warm, put it in the ice bucket, you can always take it out. Yep. And, and but for that white, what if it's too cold, you actually won't taste the wine. It's just going to taste, you taste yeah. crispness, but, but that's you, about it. You pour it in the glass, you warm it up with your hand, it'll warm up, it'll taste good. And then, then the, the last part of it is often that, uh, especially if you, if, well, there's the two of you and you've gotten a bottle of wine and you're taking a cab home um, and you do feel like you'd like a little more, <laughs> uh, uh, that, you know, that that may be the time um, when you can get it by the glass. But if you are, you can not finish the bottle. You can get a bottle and, right. and have them cork it and take the rest of that bottle home. That's a, you're allowed yep. to do that. So yep. that's yep. an that's an okay thing to do. Yep. Uh, all right, we will get to uh, wine and dessert, which is a big deal on Valentine's Day. A bit but later in the show, we're saving dessert for later. We are saving dessert for last. Excellent. Yeah. This is Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. Next up, we will we'll take some questions. You're listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul, and it's time to open our mailbag and take questions from listeners. If you'd like to ask us a question that we can answer or try to answer, go to rickandpaulwine.com, all one word, Rick and Paul Wine. And by the way, look for us on iTunes. You can subscribe for free, just one little bitty click. Uh, and uh, normally we tell you very a lot about who we are and what we do. Uh, suffice it to say, we know a little bit about wine. Paul's a pro. I'm I'm a pro. I'm a journalist. He's a teacher, marketing guy. And we're moving along because, frankly, it's Valentine's Day, and we don't want you to fall for us. We want you to fall for our wine talk. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Like so, they were going to fall for us. Yeah. That's actually not going to happen. <laughs> All right. So we've saved up a couple relationship questions for our Valentine's Day-related show. I'm thinking there's no better time for people to turn to us. About what exactly now? Relationship help. And you think we're going to help them? I'm hoping. Oh, boy. This yeah. should be fun. Yeah. All right. Our first question comes from Don Callahan in Livermore. When she says, when we go to Tahoe, we stick wine in the snow. When we ski, then back at the end of the day, we go and we get it, and our wine is cold. I love it, but my boyfriend says it ruins the wine. Tastes fine to me. What do you think? Get a new boyfriend. I think so, too. Because I'll tell you, first of all, I'm, I'm completely with Don. This is a really romantic way to chill a bottle of wine. In fact, yep. one of the most romantic dinners I ever had with my wife was when the first camping trip we ever took together. And that's exactly what I did is we drove up into the mountains and we put we at while we set up the tent and made a little campfire and all the rest I took a nice couple little half bottles of rosé d'anjou stuck them in a snowbank and we drank them around the fire and you know what that was pretty romantic very nice now if, uh, you know if, I sometimes I do is I I empty the ice tray from the freezer into the backyard and stick them that's not yes. quite the same, Rick, it, I don't think. No one, no. I never seems to work. <laughs> Darn. The one caveat I would have for Dawn is if she's skiing in a place where the temperature is in the teens. Really cold, yeah. yeah. It could conceivably freeze the bottle, and right. you don't want to freeze the bottle. But frankly, snowbanks are more likely, you know, if the wine goes in there at 55, 60 degrees, it's likely to make its own little igloo in there and keep itself warm. I think it's perfect, and I think she should get a new boyfriend. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Don, let us know if you'd like to meet some good guys. We, who, we know who... guys who love wine in the snow. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, that's right. All right, this next one comes from Maria Serrano in Sebastopol. She has a new boyfriend, 
she says, I have a new boyfriend, and he's okay. <laughs> well, so, there's a rouse. That's is, what your wife says I, about this, you, right? This is not already, already this is not going well, actually. <laughs> Most of the time, he's a decent enough guy. But when we go out to dinner, he turns into a 24-carat moron. Now, 24 carats, does that mean like uh, jewelry carrots or does think, that mean vegetable carrots? I think high-octane moron is what she's talking about here. Because I'm yeah. wondering if maybe he's just like eating a lot of carrots. No, I think kind of a moron. Okay. She says he's kind of dismissive, and when the wine list shows up, he gets all James Bond on us. The thing is, I don't think he has a clue about wine. Any suggestions? <laughs> or maybe you can give me some questions he can't answer. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Yeah, that one's just uh, that one's just terrifying. Yeah. So let for, before we're going to give you a couple of really ridiculous questions that uh, he won't be able to answer because they're not real or they're nobody would know. But first, uh, I don't know how you deal with this. Uh, you well, I might argue you make him listen to our show where we say don't don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. Uh, and frankly, we could use all the listeners we could get anyway. <laughs> even, even your moron of a boyfriend. But, uh, yes. No, we don't want to call with him. all of his carrots. Yes, with all his carrots. Uh, but. Boy, I, 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 I think what you do is this. This is my suggestion, is that when the two of you are around somebody who's being that, somebody else who's being that kind of moron, you say to him, oh. gosh, I hate when people act like that. Oh. It's such a small deal. I just hate it when people act like they know it, like wine's a big deal. Well, I want— he sort, And if he doesn't yeah. get the hint, if he doesn't get the hint, then you know you got the wrong guy. You do have the wrong guy. Yep. Because, of course, the other side is he may think that's the way you're supposed to do it. That's why you tell him. You see, I don't think that's the way. Yeah, I know. See, he probably I, I thinks think it that. Would be, yeah. I think it would be fun to have him meet some of the— the real the, wine experts, who don't not act you like and that. me, yeah. uh, who don't act like that. Well, have, have if, them... we, if he met us, he would feel superior, so he might keep <laughs> acting like that. <laughs> but, you know, you and I, we judge wine competitions. We taste with master sommeliers on a regular basis. None of these people have right. that attitude. Right. And I think the solution to this is to have him meet some of these people. They're on, they're on uh, YouTube. They're on the Internet where you can meet these guys and talk to them and, and, and hear the way they talk about wine. And they don't have this kind of attitude. Yeah, not um, at all. But, but you know, if, if this is who he wants to think he is, Maria, um, you can't change him. Yep. I think your mom has told you about guys. You can't change them. I think you're stuck with them, and I think it's— uh, By the way, uh, Deborah, if you're listening, that is Deborah, my wife, uh, don't, li don't listen to Paul's advice. Uh, I, I, it's possible I might change someday. <laughs> but Maria is probably right. Although, Maria, I'm going to give you a question or two that you can ask him just to make him feel, um, you know, bad. <laughs> ask him to tell you what the clone is. He'll never know. There's no way. Nobody's got to know what the clone is of a wine. So if he says, okay. I want to get that, you know, the, the special Cabernet, you say, well, well I'm only going to drink it if you can, t you know, I don't, sure, I like the clone. What's the clone on that? He won't know what you're talking about. Okay. And there's, I have a simpler question, which is simply hand him a glass of wine that he's never had before and ask him to tell you something yeah. about it, knowing that you know all the answers. Oh. And yeah. you will That'll, find yeah. that he becomes very quiet very quickly yeah. because, you know what? He doesn't know enough about wine to taste wine and tell you what's in it because you and I don't know either because that's one of the hardest most things you can do. do that. That's right. And, you know, and when he starts to ask, ask him what he thought the fermentation temperature was. Right. Because it's there no way go. anybody would there ever get it. That's Excellent. not something you could possibly taste. But you should say, oh, yeah, no, I think that was 72 degrees. Um, <laughs> uh, good, Maria, good luck is all I yeah, can say. Yeah, good luck. All right, one more. Jackson Roth in Napa. 
This is another relationship one. Okay. Uh, I'm kind of worried my girlfriend isn't impressed with me. And see what I was saying about guys are always worried their girlfriends are not impressed with them? Well, I was just thinking, Rick, this should be a question that really hits home to you. Yeah, that's exactly right. (laughs) She says, I don't know a ton about wine, and everybody else around us does, because poor Jackson's in that. But she doesn't say it, but what should I do? Okay, the first thing she should do is introduce his girlfriend to Maria's boyfriend. Right? Mm -hmm. Could be a a match made in, well... Either uh, this, a match made in heaven uh, or his girlfriend's going to say, ooh, if that's what knowing a lot about well, wine is like, I don't want that. Jackson, I'm sticking with you. You know, Nap and Sebastopol, not so far away. Not so far yeah. away. That could happen. See, I was Jackson, I was just going to say, get her diamonds. <laughs> Forget the wine stuff. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I really, I think, don't worry about it. I, I seriously don't worry about it because uh, often often our insecurities about wine are just our own insecurities about wine because we feel like we're supposed to. And actually many times I, I rarely find somebody who has judged somebody badly because they don't know about well, wine. Well, bear in mind, Jackson lives in Napa. Yeah, but we still, I mean, still don't judge people no, for not No, people knowing. don't judge. But he is right, right that an awful lot of people in Napa know a lot about wine. Right. So, yeah, but it's okay. You know, it's 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 the same way that people go to Super Bowl, Bowl parties and nobody has to know the name of the backup mm-hmm. left tackle right. in order to participate in a Super Bowl party. All right. Well, uh, so that's it, Jackson. Don't worry about it. And don't worry about the left tackle's backup. Um, that is it for questions <laughs> for now. We'll have more in the second half of the show. If you'd like to ask us a question we can answer for you, go to Rick and Paul Wine, all one word, Rick and Paul Wine. Coming up, some really bad wine writing. We'll be right back. You are listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. And from those restrained, dulcet tones, you know what's coming. It is time for some really horrible wine writing. Hooray! All right, so, Paul, you had a few that, that you know, if you read these descriptions right, um, they could be about somebody's date. You know, I was just thinking, this is perfect. These are perfect descriptions for Jackson. <laughs> there you go. Right? Because these don't actually tell you very much about the wine, but it makes you sound smart. And I have to point out, I actually got these from a guy by the name of Larry Brooks, who's a very good winemaker in Napa, makes really good Pinot Noir, among other things. Um, and I've actually um, followed Larry Brooks on a bicycling trip where he was faster than I am, and I pedaled along as hard as I could to keep up with him. He's a good guy. Um, but he collected these, and he put these out, and I, I just love some of them. One of them is, this wine has too many clothes on. You can't see the body at all. See what I'm saying? It's his date. This is about your date. It's about my date. But, but see, Jackson? Yeah, I know. Jackson's at a dinner party. Yeah. Somebody says, Jackson, yeah. what do you think of this wine? Yeah, that's what Too you many say. clothes. You can't see the body. Uh, yep, yep. Uh, he's golden. Yep. Yep. I, I, there you go. Absolutely. All right. Or well, I like the pieces, but I don't like the package. Another one. Okay. And it's sort of the opposite, but yeah. 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 And it, again, what kind of wine is it? We have no idea. What does it actually mean? Not exactly sure. But does it make you sound like you have opinions about wine? Oh, yeah. Um. The last one I really kind of like is, I think this wine's name is Violet, and I want to take her all out dancing all night. I've, I've danced with a wine or two. And it's, uh, <laughs> it's, I usually get thrown out of the club right after that. But, uh, yeah, that's funny. That one's funny, Violet. And, so, and uh, again, doesn't tell you anything about the wine. It tells you that you like it. But I think these are the sorts of things. Jackson just needs a couple of these in his back he's, pocket, he's and co- he's golden. A couple of goofy wines. I, I like those. Those, those are Because those are really 
completely useless. Um, okay. Mine's just one review, um, but it's sort of in that same ballpark. It's uh, of somebody trying, oh, a wee bit too hard. Oh, yes. It's opaque, but seems to be wearing ruby lipstick. It has sexy oak spice aromas and suggestive of red and black currant, cherry and vanilla, and comes with an alluring bright accent. The plush palette staining fruits are sexy and intense dark berry and cherry color. Its finish has impressive energy that could last all night. So here's well now. this is somebody who's trying a little double entendres on us. That wine should take Violet out to that wine and Violet. They should go, go out, out well. dancing together. Yes. Violet has danced with that wine. Um, also, I, I just need to say, just from a pure writing standpoint, you shouldn't use sexy twice. It's just you know, just a bad form. Um, so, and what would you guess this wine was, by the way? Well, you got currants and cherry, and it's so it's a red wine, and it's heavy, and it's massive, and it's dark, and it could be. I'm guessing all guests um, really doesn't talk about any smokiness or toastiness, so uh, a lot of oak. I'm guessing Cabernet Merlot. It's actually see, there's like there's the giveaway is the cherry cola. Yeah, it's Pinot. None of these describe a Pinot. I don't do want to drink this. Pinot. Yeah, I don't either. Although it does does have ruby lipstick. Yeah, um, so the currents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know none of this is actually Pinot stuff. This does make this is one of those things that makes you feel like the writer was just sort of, you know searching around and for, it was in that same vein of too many clothes. Well, and the other thing you know? is actually you know Pinot Noir in general is a relatively delicately colored wine, and he says this one is opaque. Yeah, no, there's nothing. And I'm there's, thinking, this is you know, probably, if it's opaque, this was probably a big overdone, maybe blended with something else. Pinot Noir is one. So, of so, so yeah. the other part of this is. Um, when someone describes a wine as wearing ruby lipstick, you know what the first thing that makes me think of? I better check my glass. I wonder if they washed it from yeah. last night. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You're listening to Bob Talk with Rick and Paul. Uh, don't forget, you can find us on iTunes. And when we come back in a minute or, well, less than that, actually, in a few seconds, uh, we'll have some uh, Valentine's pairings uh, and a little bit of wine history. Stay with us. You're listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. There are those trumpets. They're Valentine's trumpets today. We're going back in time a little bit with some Valentine's history. Because uh, wine and history are like uh, a pairing of... I was going for some really bad romantic... I, I don't have anything. You got nothing, do you? I got nothing. Okay. They are... It, they, <laughs> wine and history together are like wearing ruby lipstick. I wish I had <laughs> wine at some of my history lectures in school. <laughs> yeah, it's true. There you go. All right. Speaking of his, history lectures, how about yours? Well, I was just going to think, you know, we talk about St. Valentine, and St. Valentine actually was a real, um, a real priest, a saint, um, well, he wasn't a saint while he's alive. He became a saint by getting martyred. Um, but uh, it was back in the days of the Roman Empire, and the Roman Empire was looking for soldiers. And one of the ways you got out of the draft in Rome was if you were married, they couldn't draft you. There's a, you know, there's a kind of a thing that we yeah, do the same thing sure. with the military service sure, sure, in sure. this country. So the emperor declared that nobody could get married. All the young people had to stop getting married because too many people were getting married and he didn't have enough people for legionnaires. 
And St. Valentine, who was just Valentine at the time, said, yeah, it's not fair. So he volunteered to keep marrying people. So young couples truly in love and young men who are desperate to avoid the draft looked up St. Valentine's, got married, and eventually the Roman Empire tracked him down, martyred him in horrible ways, but he has been the patron saint of lovers ever since. Sure, he sacrificed himself for love. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm, uh, it's not really a wine-related. Uh, mine is, is also not really wine-related, but yeah. it is Valentine-related, which is that the, uh, the first Valentine card. Although some say it was St. Valentine himself because uh, he, he signed uh, a letter to uh, he, f- he had fallen in love with a daughter of a prince of a jailer one of his jailers before he was killed and he signed it from your valentine but yeah. that's really not I'm it sorry. actually he was a priest i'm not sure he is allowed to fall in yeah, love at that with point daughters, what's he got to lose well, yeah that, this sounds like this sounds like revisionist history uh, right? everything i ha- bring you is revisionist <laughs> history <laughs> so the the two the two arguments for the first real valentines are uh, Jeffrey Chaucer from Parliament of Fools, in, written in 1382, mm-hmm. and he ri- writes this line, uh, translated to modern English, which is, For this was on St. Valentine's Day, when every bird cometh there to choose his mate. So this was his first reference, the first reference to St. Valentine's yep, Day. Nice. More likely, the it was a poem written by Charles, Duke of Orleans. The Duke of Orleans who was uh, stuck in the Tower of London after losing the Battle of Agincourt in in fourteen fifty? Yes, yes. And what he wrote to his wife, I love you forever, my very sweet Valentine. Oh, Rick, it just makes my skin tingle to hear you say those words. Yes, well, yes, (laughs) I... And and with a little bit of ruby lipstick, (laughs) you can see how that would go. All right. We are. We're going to do something useful now and give you <laughs> give you some wines with some dessert pairings because actually dessert pairings are among the most difficult for many people because they tend not to think this way, and so we have one rule here, um, which is that when you have dessert, your wine should be sweeter than your dessert. Right. Because the problem is otherwise the acid in the wine is going to taste even more acid. Yes, because remember that wine has a lot of acidity, yes. so you need a it, lot of sugar to balance it out. Right, right, right. And yep. any wine. And so that, you know, that's sort of the red red wine and dark chocolate uh, or red wine and cho- milk chocolate in particular. It's much more of an advertising slogan kind of thing. It's about selling chocolates. Hey, as much some as people this. like it. Yeah, no, all, I know. And all, if you like it, you like tone. it. That's right. Um, but uh, we have we have a couple ideas. So the first one is chocolate, just regular old milk chocolate. What would you go with? Uh, ruby port. That's uh, port. That's any kind of a port. I would use. Yeah, yeah. Because ruby port doesn't have much acidity. It comes from the Douro Valley in Portugal. It's pretty hot there, and it's got a lot of sugar, and it's got some nice flavors to it. And what's not to like? Yeah, and if you have the Zinfandel port from your local uh, guys up in the foothills or out in Napa or yeah. somebody's any of those any of those port like wines. Anything that has ruby lipstick on the glass should be uh, a a good match with chocolate. Definitely going to be it, right. Um, How about white chocolate? Okay, I'm just going to beg out of this one because I think white chocolate is a fraud. I don't like it. I don't think it has any flavor, and I don't know why people eat it. Paul, I'm a fraud, and yet you sit here with me. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, what's white white chocolate? Why do you want white chocolate? Drink brown or it's eat brown butter. chocolate it's chocolate and, and butter is what it is it's, it's, it is it's yeah. pieces it's it's 
essence of chocolate and butter, and I'm sorry, I'm opposed. Yeah, I, and and I I think it brings up the point though, uh, white chocolate is that there's a there's a whole class of wines that that people tend to not think of that go really well with is, you know, it's like sherries and muscats and Vinsanto, yeah, yep, all those yep. sort of slightly yep. richer, lightly you know sweeter. Um, yeah. Vinsanto have a lot of acidity, but the muscats yeah. and the cream sherry. Yeah, Vinsanto probably not right. You're yeah, probably but right. The, yeah. you're right yeah. about the other ones. Yep. Right now, creme brulee, which is generally considered a very romantic dish. You know, that's the, it? the yeah, because well, it's that you know that that sugar, caramelized sugar on caramelized top there. Sugar. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've got a good one for that one. Okay. It's a tawny port. Yes. It's the nittiness yep. of the port. I think yep. the t- the tawniness, but it still needs yep. to be sweet. And, well, here again, yeah. remember we were talking earlier. Was it this show about oxidation? And here you've got wines that are oxidized that taste delicious. So uh, you're right. Sweet Marsala, sweet Sherry, Tawny Port all go really nicely with creme brulee, and they don't have a lot of acidity. They're oxidized. They're brown, but they are delicious. That nutty character works really well. And for folks who are not super familiar with ports, you know, the ruby port is is the darker, redder, fruit-oriented port. It's actually ruby-colored. It's ruby-colored ports. Uh, And the Tawny Port is like the tawny colored one. Right, which means it's it generally has spent some more time aging in oak and it's picked up some of that nuttiness and right. sort of the oakiness in there. Yep. Um, and then the last one because this is a hot hot item these days, salted caramels. For dessert. Yeah. Not just candy, but actually Yeah, you, you a get you get salted dessert. caramel. By the way, salted caramel ice cream is the kind of thing that if you know you've got your last meal, I'm, I'm think about it. I'm just saying anybody's anybody's got their last meal coming up. Only because yeah. if the caramel gets stuck on your teeth, you can delay your death there a long time go. by yeah. sucking away on the caramel, yes, right? Salted caramel flavors too. <laughs> and there's all kinds of salted caramel flavors. Okay. And and we we've it's you know, it's um it's in that direction that we were talking again. Once it again, is. those sort of those the sherries and the muscats and that and sort of thing. And the marsalas, right, yep. Right, right, right. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, that'll get you through the meal, we hope. Uh, if it And when in doubt, um, there's always bubbly. Well, you know, I, I, I would like to put in a word for dessert wines because too many people yes. ignore them at the end of a meal. It's Valentine's Day. You are with your sweetie. You've shared, maybe you've shared your dinner, maybe you've shared your wine, maybe she ordered your sole almondine and you ordered your steak, she drank white wine, you drank red, but at the end of a meal, there's really nothing more romantic than to order one or two, but even one glass of a sweet wine and share it back and forth. Or two glasses and you link your arms and no, do, mm, don't do that in the restaurant. Too much trouble. Yeah, too much trouble. It just spill. Um, <laughs> it's an, it is an easy way to go and uh, and I, I'm with you. I, I love dessert wines and it's an excuse to drink them on Valentine's Day, if nothing else. Yep. Okay, we will be right back in just a few seconds uh, with more questions from listeners. You are listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. Stay with us. You're listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. We're going back to our mailbag. And by the way, if you'd like to ask us a question, we'll give you credit for it. We promise. Go to rickandpaulwine.com. Or we won't give you credit if you prefer. Many people don't. Many people prefer to uh, remain anonymous. Yes. Can't blame them. Uh, and don't forget, you can find us on iTunes and subscribe for free just with a click. All right. But a couple that would, uh, a couple more that sort of fall into the uh, the Valentine's like uh, like sort of questions. Mm-hmm, be, mm-hmm. Talking about the wines. So one is from Melissa Pickford in Pacific Grove. That's near Monterey. Um, what's the difference between champagne and Prosecco? Are they just different names for bubbly? Do they taste different? Great question. Because mm-hmm. first of all, they are very, very different in every way. First mm-hmm. of all, different price. 
Prosecco under $10, Champagne generally over $30. Second of all, uh, the region, Prosecco's from northern Italy, Champagne from northern France. Third of all, different grapes, because Prosecco's made from a grape they now call Galera, and the wine, the grapes for Champagne are Pinot Noir, Pinot Meunier, and Chardonnay. And do they taste different? Yes, because Prosecco is generally light, fruity, fresh, and a little bit sweet. And Champagne, in general, is much, um, much higher acidity, much tighter, uh, sometimes a little toasty, but a very different flavor profile. So completely different in every way. The only thing they have in common, even two different methods, because Prosecco mm-hmm. is made in big tanks and Champagne is made in little bottles. So really the only thing they have in common is bubbles. Bubbles, absolutely. And, you know, and Prosecco is going to be cheaper, too. Yes, I, I, yeah. right off the bat, I yeah. said different yeah, yeah, price points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, but uh, the, both lovely wines and and both both perfectly appropriate for for um, any of these uh, Valentine's Day like occasions. Yes, in yeah. fact, I mean, really, it's if you like one, that's the one you ought to order. Yep. that's the one you ought mm-hmm. to drink. And if you like bubbles, you'll tend you know, like bubbly wines. You'll, you know, there's a good chance you can like them both. Um, all right, another one comes, the next one comes from uh, Steve Morrison in Sacramento. So now we, I think we are up to three regular listeners because Steve uh, wow. is, is, I know, I That's know. That's amazing. This is uh, legions. We have legions out there. How, uh, 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 legion is three? My legions <laughs> are three. I, my God. I have low standards. You have low well, standards. What, what yeah, you're say? working with me. What can we say? <laughs> Uh, and uh, he says that he, he, he lo- loves sparkly wines, and he actually visited in that region, in region of Champagne once a long time ago, and he said it was pretty cold. It was there in October. Mm. He says, how do they have wine country in such a cold climate? Yep. Well, you know, you should, you should, we should point out that they make pretty good wine in some pretty cold places. They make really good wine on the Rhine River in Germany. They make really good wine in upstate New York. They make really good wine in Michigan. Um, so it's and and the answer is sort of twofold. One of them is you have to use the right grapes because the growing season is shorter. You have to use the right grapes, um, grapes that ripen quickly so that you know, they can grow ripen and get out of Dodge before the big rains and snows come. The other thing they do is they actually prune and manage the vines differently. In Champagne, there are even parts where they prune the vines very close to the ground um, and and at times cover the vines with dirt to keep them uh, slightly insulated against the real cold. So it's expensive. It's time-consuming. There's a reason they make Champagne there, because if they tried to make regular wine in Champagne, the grapes wouldn't quite get ripe enough. They'd seem kind of tart and acidic. But you put them in a bottle, and then you add a little sugar and a little more yeast, and you let them ferment a second time, and they get bubbly, and they taste delicious. Yeah, and and to make champagne the way it's made is it's almost wine is made twice, which is that there's this base yeah. wine that is made, and then uh, and then more yeast and and is and more yeast and sugars are added to to ferment. Yeah. So you need to start with a very acidic wine to begin with. Yep. Um, and though Steve uh, might be a regular listener, he clearly did not hear our New Year's Eve show when we explained right. that the, that champagne was, quote-unquote, uh, almost an accident of the very fact that it was such a cold place. Yeah. And, and the, um, yep. the very quick uh, description was that, you know, back you know, a couple centuries ago when they didn't really understand what was going on, they just knew the process of making wine. So what they would do is would, they would crush grapes. The, they knew that there'd be a gurgling. The gurgling was the yeast eating the sugar. When the gurgling was done, they would put the wine in bottles or in something. That's and, right. Um, and what would happen in Champagne was that they would put, you know, the gurgling would stop. 
they thought it was because the, in essence, ferment, what they thought of as fermentation was done, but it was really because it was so cold, the yeast went dormant. Yeah. And so, yeah. uh, and then in in the spring, when now they're in these semi-sealed or very sealed kinds of vessels, and uh, the yeast would wake up and then, oh, hey, hey, we're done with our nap, and look, there's sugar. And one of the byproducts of yeast eating sugar is not just alcohol, but also carbon dioxide. Yep. So there's bubbles. Do not try this at home because many times the bottles explode. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, so, but so the very fact that it is cold is one of the reasons why it is champagne. Yep. Uh, much of that works there. Um, yep. But uh, not easily might be the simple answer. <laughs> A lot of work, but yeah. make some wonderful wines. Right. Um, this next one comes from uh, Marcus Nigley. He is a Lodi winemaker for Boris Cellars. Oh, yeah. I need I know, to read. I need, I, you know them. I know the Boris and yeah. I, yeah, some fun wines. So I need to read this whole uh, email because uh, I think it's very important that he's a respected member, uh, an astute man, a respected member of the wine community. And a, he, uh, and, you would say an in, international leader uh, in uh, terms of distinction and discernment. A, a man of taste. Exactly. Here's what he says. Hi, guys. Love your show. <laughs> Just need to get that out. Excellent. <laughs> All right. And then he asked a question. It's a good question. And I actually had to do a little bit of research to make sure I had this right. And I did have it right. Yeah. He says, what has more calories? A glass of a Moselle Riesling's, uh, Riesling Ocelos, which is uh, with 8% alcohol but residual sugar. And it's a wine that we were just talking mm-hmm. about how the fermentation didn't get very high, so there's some sugar left over. So what's what's more calories that light Riesling with lower alcohol and residual sugar or wine fermented dry with 14.8 alcohol, which so, is a high alcohol wine. So let's say we start with two sets of grapes. One grape has about 24% sugar. The other one probably closer to about 26% sugar. You start them fermenting, but the one, the, the slightly less sweet grapes, you stop in the middle. So it's half alcohol and it's half sugar. Right. And the other one you let blow all the way through until right. it eats all the sugar and turns all that sugar into alcohol. Those are the two wines. Right. Which one has more calories? And it turns out it is the high alcohol wine. And, uh-huh. and here is why. Because alcohol has seven calories per gram. Sugar only has four. Mm-hmm. So the alcohol, and what it is, is because it's a more complex molecule. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. because of that, it takes more energy for your body to break it down. That's why people tell us we're sweet. Yes, because we are not complex and we are easily broken down. Absolutely true. Right. Right. So what it turns out is that glass of sweet Riesling would be in that uh, 110 to 140 calorie range. Depends on a handful of things. And that glass of big uh, high alcohol wine would be 150 to 190 calories. And by the way, the reds, which tend to have higher uh, alcohols, but also even if the same, the reds, for whatever reasons, tend to also be slightly higher calories. So if you're going low locale. There's one other thing I'd like to point out, though, which is do not assume all sweet wines are low in alcohol. That's absolutely right. Because we just talked about when we were talking about the desserts, we had ports and we had sherries. Those are wines that have residual sugar, but they've also got added alcohol and those calorie counters for those would be even higher, oh, which yeah. is why when you order that little glass to share with your sweetie after after dinner, it's a little glass because there's a lot of and stuff in that make little t- glass. make sure to tell your partner how, how good he or she looks, by the way. That's right, it's, especially after the third glass. That is, uh, that's important. <laughs> All right. Uh, you are listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. We are closing up the mailbag. Uh, you can uh, ask us a question at rickandpaulwine.com, and we will bungle it like every other question. All in word, Rick and Paul Wine coming up. One last Valentine's Day tip about bringing in your own wine. We will be right back. Stay with us.
You're listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul, and we have one more tip for that big night out on Valentine's Day. Well, um, my tip is you want a really romantic dinner, uh, order in. Yeah. Uh, bring in some really good food, pull in a really good bottle of wine, make special preparations. Especially if you're the guy, do all the work. It will make a big impression. Well, I'm going to once go. I'm going to go back to my uh, my earlier point about guys thinking that uh, that women don't like us. Heck, you know, it's uh, most we just do. so <laughs> so. If you did this for your guy, that's okay too. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you know, it, it does any couple really any couple you do it for the other person, it's a pretty big deal. However, so let's just say the person who tends not to be the cooker in the in the couple, right? That person, if you you make this arrangement, uh, it's gonna it's gonna go over very well. Yep, really nice idea. Yeah. Unless, of course, you point out that the reason you're doing it is you can't stand the cooking of the other person, at which point you really probably should be Bad. looking for new. Yes. Yeah. And probably don't say, hey, this is cheaper, sweetie. <laughs> That's not going to work either. No. Yeah. Um, no. On the other hand, you could say, you know, it gives us a chance to try a number of wines. That's because right. Because now you can open them and, um, and put yep. them in the fridge, or in my case, just yep. drink them. Um, all right. Uh, but if you are going out, if you yes. are going out, it is, uh, it is a good night to also – if you are going to bring a wine to bring that special bottle, don't you think? If you have a special bottle that you've been saving for a special occasion. That has a romantic connection. That to has it, a romantic right. connection. It's a wonderful time to do it. Yeah. Be careful because um, you don't want to show up at a restaurant with a bottle of Kendall Jackson Chardonnay. And I have nothing against this wine, but Kendall Jackson Chardonnay is the best-selling wine in America. Yeah, and, but they sell it at every restaurant. Every restaurant yeah. has it. Don't bring a bottle of that and say, yes, we brought this specially to drink tonight. No, you didn't. It's on the list. You can just order it off the list. So rule number one, you're going to bring a wine to a restaurant, has to be something that isn't on the wine list. Um, and then I think it should be something with a story. So if you tell the waiter and your sweetie the story that will make for a memorable dinner. Yeah, and you know, uh, it's a good, always a good idea if you're bringing your own wine to sort of to check, make sure you know what the corkage is be is going to be. If it's a very nice restaurant, sometimes it could be very high. Yeah. Um, yeah, and sometimes one way to duck that corkage is to uh, try to give the waiter, uh, give your server a taste. If 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 it's it an interesting a, wine, if it is yeah. a memorable wine, if yeah. it's a rare wine, sometimes they'll do that. Another reason not to bring the KJ. Is that's that right. They don't really need a taste of the Kendall that's Jackson. That's right. They've had it yeah. before. Yeah, and it is that is it does sound like a snooty thingy, but it it is a generally a good idea not to bring something on the wine list. And you can you generally find their wine list online. And you know, right. But if it's something special to you, and it's you know, it's going to be an expensive bottle of wine, then I say don't worry so much about it if it does happen to be on their list. But it's yeah. the well, the cheaper stuff is not the thing to bring to the restaurant. Right, and and particularly if it's a bottle that you've had for a while, most restaurants are pretty right. much working on what's currently available. If you've got a bottle of wine signed by the winemaker for when you went on your honeymoon to the Napa Valley, and it's now your fifth anniversary, and you bring out that bottle signed by the winemaker and tell the waiter that story, you're golden. And here's the other thing you can do maybe to get over away from the corkage is that you go get a marking pen and you <laughs> sign it yourself but pretend it's from the wine waker and say Rick, Rick. save save this wine for this restaurant for <laughs> Smith's dinner at, uh, at you know and, and uh, probably nice, not, yeah, pr- nice. Prob- probably not going to work <laughs> nice see one more reason why you should not take relationship advice from me That's <laughs> or any other kind uh, pretty much any other kind and except well, maybe one uh, or at least listen to us and then you can do the opposite in the <laughs> That is it, however, for another round of Bottle Talk. Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul is uh, comes from the folks, or at least let's allowed allowed by the folks at Capital Public Radio. So mm-hmm. thank you for the use of the studio. Our engineer is Matt Bassini. Thanks, Matt. If you'd like to ask a question that we can answer on the show or give a whirl at anyway, go to Rick and Paul Wine, all one word, Rick and Paul Wine, and look for us on iTunes. You can subscribe for free with just a click.
And if you learned anything today, we think it is rather obvious, which is don't take relationship advice from us. I'm Rick Cushman. I'm Paul Wagner. And remember the best wines you drink are with friends. Or us. Especially us. Thank you.